words appear. The email addresses and groups mentioned on this program no longer exist. Blind Like Me does exist in its new incarnation on groups.io. To join, send a blank email to blindlikeme plus subscribe at groups.io. That's blindlikeme plus subscribe at groups.io. to this week's edition of our little Blind Like Me show. We're glad to have you with us. We hope you enjoyed the Blind Handyman. And we've gotten those guys with their hammers and saws out of the studio, and it's time to time to do a few other things. We're visiting with Erwin Hot this afternoon. Sir, how are you? I'm just fine. How are you? Um, um, well, it's a cold, nasty, rainy day here, but I, I'm going to survive. Well, I've about got it done, don't I, huh? Yeah. It's about over. What, uh, what part of the country are you in? In Columbus, Ohio. And if I think it's bad here... I ought to be there, shouldn't I? Well, low tonight's going to be about three below. Um, There are places that are a lot worse, however. So winter in Columbus is, well, fairly typical. I guess a little more cold and snow this year than normal, but... uh, what I really expect here, so I'm not complaining a whole lot. Yeah, you're, I guess if you've lived there a while, you get used to a lot of snow and, and cold weather, don't you? You do, and in comparison with a lot of other places, we really don't have all that much. Yeah, I, I, you know, I talked to a lady in Canada a while ago, and it's uh, really cold. It's down in the teens there, I think she said, uh, even right now. So that's uh, more than I can handle, I'll tell you that. And, and well, what is your visual acuity? How well do you see? I don't at all. None, huh? Nope. Growing up, I had some light perception. Mm -hmm. I could tell if I went into a room if there was a window or if a light was on or in the ceiling or a lamp or something, but... I lost that. So never, never any sight to read or do any. No. any never any really usable. What we call Not usable. Really, sight, I always yeah. used to say I had enough sight to see a tree six inches before I ran into it. So <laughs> uh, I got very that, useful, though color perception. Uh, just the most thing I could, most I could use it for was to tell if a light was on. Yeah, of course, uh, uh, being able to see a tree. And said, times could be an advantage if you if you can't see anything, but I, that's that's really more a joke than anything else. You, it is. You yeah. always walk with a with a, uh, I guess since you she got grown uh, with a cane or with a dog or do you have a do you have a dog or not? I do. Yeah, see, dog number five. Number five. So you've had to, you've had you've had dogs a good while. I have. That's right. I, that's something I've, I've never. 
I never did. I thought a lot about. I've got dogs, but I don't have, any, I don't have dogs that lead me. I yeah. have, my dogs just eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's about all they do. That's yeah, all they're right. good for. Now you grew up where? In uh, in Columbus. So you're you're in the same town that you grew up in. Right. Yeah. Born in Sandusky, actually. Yeah. The family moved to Columbus when I was about two. So I really don't remember any place else. So you are really used to Ohio winters, aren't I you? Am. Yeah. You've had them around all your life. Now, mm-hmm. how uh, growing up did they? Uh, did your your parents uh, treat you pretty normal? And like a, like a, did you have brothers and sisters and and all that? How was your family life when you? Pretty were much, there? yeah. One one brother, one sister, uh-huh. and uh, I did pretty much most of the normal things that kids do. I uh-huh. suspect it probably gave my mom a lot of gray hair, but. Yeah. Uh, chopping wood in Boy Scouts and swinging on vines and that kind of thing that uh, most kids do, and I survived all that. Uh, rode a bicycle around the neighborhood on the sidewalk. Yeah. Had a ball doing that, and that uh, that lasted until some mom said that I uh, ran over her her two year old who was lying out in the middle of the sidewalk. Well, and, you know, why anybody in their right mind would let their two-year-old lie in the middle of the sidewalk is a little bit beyond me. I couldn't figure it out either. Plus, I didn't feel a bump or anything, so I don't really think I did. You think this this you think this was invented? Um, That's my suspicion. Uh, of course, I don't know, but uh, that... Uh, that uh, sort of put an end to the bicycle riding. And from that time on, I could only ride down to the fire plug and back, and that was only a few houses, and it wasn't worth it. But, but back back then, your echolocation system was a whole lot better, I would imagine, than it is now. You know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. So you could, yeah. You could. Uh, so I, remember, I rode a, a, a trike when I was a kid, and it was a, down four or five houses. It was a tree in the middle of the sidewalk, and I never hit that tree. I, I yeah. could hear it coming up, and I'd go to the right and be around it. Just... Mm-hmm. Well, the kids got pretty good about moving their tricycles and bicycles out of the sidewalk, because if I did run into them, I'd stop and pick them up and put them up in the yard and yeah. keep riding. So <laughs> I loved it. I had a red two-wheel bike, and I thought that was fun. Red was my favorite color. Don't yeah. ask me why. Well, we yeah, black people are supposed to have food. <laughs> yeah. We can have food. We that isn't. We can't let the side people have everything. That's right. and, uh, That's that's great. I'm, I'm, it's a wonderful thing for a blind kid to have. So many, so many don't. Of course, a lot do. And those who those parents that allowed their blind kids to be normal, quote unquote normal, uh, the, the blind they certainly do better as adults. I think. You know? I think so. And and so when they got to, when it got time to, for school, it's time for, for little Irwin to, to go to school. What decisions did they make there? Well, I actually went to my neighborhood kindergarten, uh-huh. and that was practically unheard of. Yeah, at that time, it was. It, yeah, and also then went through public school. The first three years, I was in sort of special class to learn Braille and stuff half a day, and uh-huh. regular class half a day, and. Then starting in fourth grade, I actually again went to my neighborhood school, and I guess Mom had a big battle with the school board. I'm sure. They didn't want to do that. No, they, they so wouldn't. I was, I was the first one in Columbus to actually go to my neighborhood school, mm-hmm. and that was great. I had a marvelous teacher who not only learned Braille, but taught me how to use the typewriter. Mrs. Starn was her name. Yeah, so that you could you could uh, do homework on the typewriter. 
Right. Damn. Yeah. And um, Mom actually uh, learned Braille pretty much before I did because she actually started out brailing a lot of my books. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was, I have to give Mom a lot of credit. I mean, she would she would actually type uh, on a Braille writer a, a book for you? Right, on a, on a Braille writer, right. Read it, read it with her eyes and, mm-hmm. and well, let's all give her a lot of credit. Yeah. What a wonderful thing to do. Uh, yeah. Um, and then she went on actually um, to, to make a very long story short, but uh, she ended up being the mom for three kids when dad took off with the secretary. But And, of course, no job and broken car and all kinds of other wonderful things. But that uh, learning Braille actually did turn into a job with the Columbus Public Schools. Eventually, yeah. Eventually doing Braille for all of the kids. So. Oh, is that right? So she parlayed that into into something that she could or she could earn uh, uh, money with. Right. What a deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it sounds like you had a, a good childhood. Did they? What did they? Did they ever send you to our, our typical blind uh, school, boarding school? No. I I actually the only time I actually went to the school for the blind was one summer. And I don't remember exactly how old I was, but probably. Oh, 12 or 13, something like that. I don't mm-hmm. remember exactly. For a um, summer uh, cane training program mm-hmm. to, uh, to teach you mobility, some mobility. Ability. Yeah. yeah. So other than that, you didn't see too many blind people. You did. You weren't around uh, blind folks much. Not too many. Now, in the, in the first three grades, there were some some other blind kids who were in that special class with. Oh, okay. Did have did have some friends who were blind throughout childhood, but for the most part, I was around sighted kids. Now this is pretty progressive thinking. Having several blind kids, what 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 years were these? What time of life? Oh, that would have been oh what nineteen oh what fifty eight fifty nine. Yeah, that's that's they were far ahead of their they were cool. We just we're just getting into integrating. Or what we call mainstreaming now back then. They right. Were starting yeah. to the, the term hadn't really been even invented no, yet. I, no one had coined that term, had they? Yeah, Maybe. no. No. So and and you you did uh you did uh, in in school there but there were there you had other blind children as friends when you were a kid, but we assume that you had some sighted friends also. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. So, so really a pretty normal, if if that's a good word, childhood. Pretty much. The Probably most disappointing thing for me, and probably where I would have benefited from going to a school for the blind, was when I got to junior and senior high school, Mm -hmm. and uh, no matter what we did, I wasn't able to take shop. Uh, They were probably afraid I would chop my arm off or somebody else's. So I had, uh, oh, I don't know, 9,000 study halls. Uh, oh yeah, and uh, so that was probably the real only disappointment I had in going to uh, public school. Mom was not able to convince them that uh, that Irwin could take uh, shop. No, they, they wouldn't. They weren't going that far. No, they weren't going that far, and I wasn't either. Of course, you know what uh, what I thought probably didn't matter a whole. Oh, at that time, it didn't. But, yeah, that time. But, uh, even after the wood chopping with the Boy Scouts and riding the bicycle, they still 
That's a very narrow-minded uh, thinking. Yeah. Of course, he was, this was, like you said, in, in the 50s and early 60s. and so Right. I was born in 51, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, since then, have you... Have you had uh, been around shop stuff, woodwork tools? and To some something? extent, yeah. yes. My grandfather did lots of woodworking, and so I had somewhat of an introduction to it. And I've, I've done a little bit, and I'm uh, not afraid to pick up a saw or yeah. hammer nails and screwdriver or take a computer apart or uh, lots of other things. So, Because, you know, we do, um, along with this thing, we do the blind handyman. Right. And we have found uh, blind people who do everything, welding, um, serious carpentry work, plumbing, just anything, about anything you can think of. We got, there's a guy, a guy on the handyman list and also on the blind like me list who, uh, before he lost his eyesight, was did refrigeration, has a degree in refrigeration. And so, uh, you know, this lady named Boop who's on the handyman list wrote and said, you know, somebody sees this list, you see the blind handyman, you might think, Oh, geez, I've always wanted to know how to make a broom. And if you join the list, you find out that we're, while we have occasionally talked about making brooms, we're talking about the same things you'd think sighted people would talk about. Right. My, my, my uh, uh, laboratory in my bathroom fails just as often as my sighted brethren's. And the plumber charges me just as much. That's right. So I need to know how to fix it. So no shop, but other than that, pretty normal. Yes. Excuse me, I was looking at my... Looking at my watch there, and and you went through high school in Columbus, right? Again, my neighborhood high school, mm-hmm. and uh, that was that was interesting because the first two years, eleventh and twelfth grade. Now, with high school has changed in that now it's ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. Uh-huh. Back then, it was tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. Yes, it was. There, it was. Well, sort of within walking distance, but there were no sidewalks along Carl Road, which is a very busy road. Mm-hmm. So the school system actually paid for a cab on a regular basis to really? to pick me up and take me to school and bring me home. So for the first two years, that was great. But then between my junior and senior year in high school, so between 11th and 12th grade, is when I actually went back to the C&I that summer and got my first dog. Oh, so you had a dog in, in in your senior year in high school, right? Wow. Yeah, and that was wonderful because then I could just like almost all the other kids walk to and from school that senior year. Yeah, not too many kids drove to school in those days. No, they didn't. We, did. of course, they've all got cars now. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah no, um, nobody drove to school back. And so, and so you were. This was uh, early '60s, and you were walking with your seeing eye dog. Yeah. To, yeah. This would have been late late '60s, actually. Oh, late '60s. Yeah, okay. July of '68 that I got my first dog. When you, when you got your first dog, so that so you went into into the twelfth grade senior uh, that right. year. Yeah. And uh, went to school with a seeing eye dog. Now that I've never heard of that. That's new to it me. It is fairly unusual. I was. Actually, 16 when I got the dog, just turning 17 that August. So, and I think for most schools, the youngest they'll take somebody is 16. See? Well, and then and then dogs are wonderful chick magnets. Yeah, yeah you know I, they can be because then you know she could, she could come over and even if she was too shy to say hi to you, she could come over and say, "Oh, that's such a pretty." Do-. And then you you mm-hmm. so let me recommend to all you high school kids out there get a dog. 
<laughs> Let me take a little a little break, and we'll get you into college, and and we want to also a little later on in the show talk about what you're doing today. Uh, and we're visiting with Irwin Hot back in a minute with more of our Blind Like Me show. You probably never need titillating tidbits to make you think on the blind side. Here's Mark Christie. Blind Tom was born May 25, 1849, to Domingo Wiggins and Charity Green, slaves whose family was purchased by James Bethune of Columbus, Georgia, when Tom was an infant. At first, Tom, apparently autistic, was believed to be of little value as a slave. Soon, however, his musical abilities became apparent. By the age of five, Tom, who heard music in naturally occurring sounds and imitated them with his voice and keyboard, had composed a musical piece titled Rainstorm, one of dozens of original compositions. By the time Tom was seven, Bethune, commonly known as General Bethune, had him performing publicly in Columbus, and soon afterwards, Bethune hired him out to a touring promoter for three years in return for an estimated $15,000. Very quickly, he had amassed a huge repertoire of pieces, which eventually went on to astound 7,000 established works by Bach, Beethoven, Mendelssohn, Chopin, Liszt, and many others. The audiences apparently loved it, and Tom is believed to have earned nearly $100,000 some years for Bethune prior to the Civil War, or approximately $1.5 million in today's terms, taking into account inflation. He maintained his popularity through the Civil War when Bethune had him performing benefits for the Confederate cause. After the war, he began performing in the North as well. After slavery was abolished, Bethune maintained management control of Tom through the age of 21. With the consent of his parents, Bethune afterward obtained legal guardianship by having the courts declare Tom legally insane. Later, a widowed daughter-in-law in New York gained control through the courts and an agreement with Tom's mother, Charity. After performing into the 20th century, Tom faded from view and died of a stroke in Hoboken, New Jersey at age 59. Other than being a very touching story and there's beautiful music to be played with which nobody knows, here is a person involved in classical music who was a perfect vehicle for showing all these different sides of classical music. Interest in black music, southern black culture, and an interest in doing historical writing and research. Whatever is said about Blind Tom, right or wrong, exaggerated or played down, the music is what stands out and is really unequivocal. No one can deny that this guy wrote some quite credible pieces of music. On the Blind Side, I'm Mark Christie. On the Blind Side, celebrating the contribution of blind people societal evolution. Second portion of uh, Blind Like Me visiting with Erwin Hawk from Columbus, where it's cold, Ohio, and we got him in high school, and he's got a seeing eye dog in, in, uh, in high school, and that dog went to every class with you, and... Uh, led you around the school building and around the campus, and right. uh, um, they um, I, and I've just never heard of anyone that young getting a. In fact, I 
I never had thought about it, but I, I assumed that they wouldn't give you until you were an adult, and they wouldn't give you a C. But I guess that's not true, is it? It's not necessarily. I will have to say that it's, I think, fairly uncommon, and it also is a, a situation where it t- takes a fair amount of maturity and responsibility. Yeah. So I think in that respect, it's it's fairly rare. I uh, I had uh, been to our local, what was then, I think, the Columbus Association for the Blind. Uh-huh. Now they call it the Vision Center, um, which strikes me as somewhat amusing because it, it certainly <laughs> doesn't really describe what they do. No one's there with, no one has vision there. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But anyway, I'd been there, I think, a couple of years before for a summer program and got the indoctrination of, of how wonderful it was to use a cane because you could just come home and hang it up in the closet. Didn't have to feed it or clean up after it or pay vet bills or anything. And it, Of course, as a, as a teenager, my attitude was, well, if the cane's so great, what's the other side of the story? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, if, if if the cane's so great and without exactly saying so, the dog is so bad, There's there's got to be a second side. And I knew a couple of people who had guide dogs and yeah. talked to them. And one lady actually let me walk with her dog for half a block, which is a big no-no. So she'll yeah, you're not have, you're not you're not supposed to work. Not really supposed to do yeah. that. So she'll remain nameless. But that was yeah. It, it gave me an inkling of what a, a dog was like, and I started kind of asking around. Of course, we have pilot dogs here in town. And of course, I talked to them first since they were local. Mm-hmm. And the what they wanted to do at that time was give me a puppy. They were doing kind of an experimental thing and have me raise the puppy. Then they take it back and train it as a, a guide, and then I'd get that dog back. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to wait that long, and if for some reason the puppy didn't work out as a, a guide, I would have gotten another dog, and I didn't want to invest that kind of time and. Emotion. Emotional whatever in, in raising a dog and then end up with another one. So that's when I went ahead and wrote to the C&I and was was actually quite surprised to be accepted. Uh, they did get um, a letter from the principal of the school saying that it was okay with, with, uh-huh. with him. Uh, so in... in um, July of 68, I went back in the in the summer class and got my first dog, Adele, who was a big black German Shepherd. Uh, and I I think the only real doubts I had were on that, that Saturday night after I'd gotten there. I went, gee, am I really making a mistake? Is this something I really, do I really know what I'm doing? Yeah. And then that Sunday we got the dogs and basically Monday morning took our first walk and in Morristown, New Jersey there is a street called Maple Street. It's where you start out your first walk in town. Quiet residential street and the tree is no longer there, but there used to be a big tree in the middle of Maple Street. And so here we are and I have this dog and the harness in the left hand and I tell Adele forward and we take off down Maple Street at what seemed like ninety miles an hour and zigzagged around that tree at what seemed like about 85 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And I think that sold me right there. I don't think I had any, any serious doubts after that. Well, surely the, the people in Columbus have abandoned 
this dumb idea of letting you raise the puppy, and then surely that's uh, yeah, surely it, it, was, it was an experiment, and I I will have to say, although I've gotten all my dogs from the C and I, one of the things that I think is good is that that bio dogs is the traditionally has been very willing to experiment and try new things, and sure some of them don't work, but. Uh, I think you have to give them a lot of credit for, for experimenting yeah. and wanting to try new things. Well, you know, you'd have a lot of, the thing would be you'd have a lot of emotional time yeah. invested because dogs are, you know, my dogs, I, I love my, my dogs. I, I, it's, I've had dogs all my life, and I, I, I've got an 80-pound lab that uh, when she hits a bed at 4.30 in the morning, folks, it's uh, time to get up. You know? Yeah, right. And, and But I wouldn't take four. She's a... She's yeah. a Big old loud barker dog, and she doesn't. I was, we and I were talking about that this morning. What does she really do for me? I don't know what she does, but I, I, I get very attached to dogs, and, I, and everybody. You do, if you love dogs, you, everybody does. You yeah, know. yeah. It's just it's that unconditional love you get from a dog. All you have to do is give them food and water, and they don't demand anything of you. Yeah. So you got your first dog in high school with the, with your dog. So you graduated. Did the dog walk across the stage with you? Yep. That's yep. that's a great story. Yeah, we uh, we basically just. Sort of, we were, I think, sort of at the end of the line, so we were not in alphabetical order. Why yeah. they didn't want to do that, I don't know. But at that point, I figured it's not worth arguing about. So we we basically just kind of followed at the end of the line, and, and Adele was real good at following. So uh, yeah, we walked across the stage. It was it was neat. The, the only thing drawback I can see is. The kids in high school wanting to pet the dog, and they they discourage that. Mm. Yeah, the I don't know. There must have been an assembly, or something passed around, or something. I, I have no clue. Warning the kids what dire things would happen if they were to pet or feed the dog, mm-hmm. because I had virtually no problems the whole year with petting or feeding, mm-hmm. uh, which just amazed me. So, as I said, I don't have any any idea what happened. So, I, they don't want you to. They don't want you to pet those dogs much unless you. I've petted some seeing I don't. But yeah. I got permission first sure. and asked the guys at Art if I pet this. Uh, and we did a terrible thing. We went on. My wife and I, looking back on this, this terrible thing. We we went on a cruise. Um, I guess it's been. Oh, uh, two years now, and there were they put us. Of course, they put all the blind people at a table, and there was. At several tables, and I think there were sixty something of us, uh, blind people and their spouses. A lot of a lot of blind people with sighted wives or sighted partners. Anyway, I I fed the dog a couple of times from the. Uh-huh. I shouldn't have done that. It was yeah. a bad thing to do. I forgive me. Spank my hand, but I couldn't resist it. I just reached down. This dog was laying by me. I could not. I couldn't resist it. I gave her a shrimp or something. I don't yeah. know what I did. But anyway. Well, you're not supposed to do that. You're not the only one. I have to tell a story which is, in retrospect, just hilarious, mm-hmm. and didn't find out the real reason for it until a couple of years ago. It one summer, I don't remember when it was, but it was shortly after I'd gotten Adele. I'm, I'm sure it wasn't that first summer, but um, my mom and my sister and I had gone to a local restaurant that had. Um, uh, it's actually up right by the school for the blind called Jerry's, so mm-hmm. some local people will remember it. It's no longer there. They had wonderful strawberry pie, and 
it, we were walking back toward the back of the restaurant, and as we walked by a table, Adele reached up and snatched a steak off some lady's plate. Oh, no! Yeah. Well, of course, I was hoping that the hole in the floor would just open up and swallow us she, right there. She really did this. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And the lady screamed, of course. And, oh, my, my, my. And, and, of course, I was totally embarrassed and, you know, balled the dough out for that. That steak was gone in seconds. Uh, yeah, it was It was gone pretty fast. Uh, Adele, bless your little heart. Yeah, it's, but it's... The, the funny part of the story, Adele, yeah. in, in remembering the incident, it's funny now. It wasn't then. Oh, yeah. Found out just a couple of years ago that the night before, Adele had looked so sad that <clears throat> Mom had given her a steak bone. Uh-huh. Oh, so Mom had undermined yeah. part of the training. Yeah. So that's a good example of cause and effect. Well, now you really make me feel like a jerk for feeding this poor guy's dog. Well, you're not the only one. That's It, it happens. Mom, and, and bless your heart, I, I, I've never met your mom, but I love her already. She typed your books in Braille. What uh, a wonderful lady she is. Oh, yeah. And, but she, she couldn't resist. Adele wanted a steak. Yeah. And you just don't do that. Yeah, but I'll have to say the the family support for for getting a dog was just incredible. I hear so many stories where somebody gets a dog and the the family is not supportive and, and tries to to tell them how to how to how to how to how to work with the dog and how to correct it and what to do and what not to do. Yeah. The, the family support has has just been superb. Yeah, but and she understood the discipline and that never happened again uh no it never happened again that was that was the equivalent of a uh, leash correction i think when when adele took the steak off the plate the next day did you take her with you to other restaurants oh yeah yeah so so you you tried her and and she passed the test uh-huh that's so good yeah the only other the only yeah. other thing that happened with her i think was the the first summer when I was getting ready to go to Ohio State, and Mom and I were, were going around campus and finding the bus stop, yeah. there was this 40-year-old who walked by with an ice cream cone, and Adele just reached over and took the top of the ice cream right off the cone. <laughs> the kid thought it was hilarious. His, oh, the his, kid thought it was funny. Oh, yeah. His, his mom didn't think it was so funny, but the kid thought it was great. <laughs> so Adele was a bit of a rebel. Oh, when you yeah. think about it, uh-huh. Adele is long since gone. Oh yeah, Adele yeah, 19, was a bit of a nineteen eighty. Was a bit of a of a uh, of a. I've never I've never really been around seeing eye dogs. I don't know that much about them. I never went and got one. I thought about it a lot of times. Yeah. Well, their their personalities. All five dogs have have had totally different personalities. They're, there are, of course, some similarities, but but all very much different. All dogs do. Yeah. I, I've had dogs all my life, and they all, they all, and and we're down now to where the dog in residence teaches the new dog how to how to uh, how to tree squirrels, and that when a car comes up the driveway, you bark. And when a train goes by, whether it hurts your ears or not, you holler. Yeah. So the dog in residence teaches the new dog because we're off. We got an old 15-year-old dog, and we've got a three-year-old dog. So okay, the, right. The 15-year-old has taught Frankie how to yeah. how to do 
um, certain things that she and the other dog, the dog that died, used to. Anyway, sure. And and so you you got out of high school. What did we do? What did you do then? You guys college well, time? Went, went to Ohio State actually off and on for a couple of years, and in between that, I helped my grandfather out. He had a um, small radio tape network actually, mostly in south and mostly in Alabama and Mississippi. Of what now? Um, small radio tape network back in the days when radio shows were distributed on open reel tape. Yeah. And um, I, I helped him out by editing some of the shows and mostly by duplicating the tapes for him. Now, what kind of radio shows are we talking about? Uh... He was, again, in many ways fairly progressive because he – it um, – it was essentially a show. They were 15-minute shows, and they aired, um, I think, five days a week, as I recall. Or no, actually, right. they were half-hour shows. Okay. And, and they, they may have been 15 minutes. It's been too long. I can't remember. Anyway, what did he do on um, these? Basically, he, he essentially called it a conversation. He, would, he lived in Pennsylvania, near Philadelphia, actually. And he was a... Um, he was a minister. Mm-hmm. He would take trips to the South, as I say, mostly Alabama and Mississippi, but not totally. And he would find interesting people to talk to, and he would talk to them about their lives and what they had done, uh, probably in many ways sort of like what we're doing here. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and he would then piece those together into a uh, into a, a radio program, and he had... Oh, I don't know. When I was involved, I think 80 or 90 stations, it, it varied a little bit. Yeah. And he would buy time, or he would give that away, and he had right. a sponsor? Or he would, he would... No, it was, it was uh, basically he, was, he had a nonprofit organization, so they, there was no sponsorship, no commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, uh, the stations would uh, essentially, uh, he would send them the programs, they would air them, they would return the, the tapes. And they, you know, would be erased and and reduplicated with uh, with new shows. Now, did he have a, a, a sponsor, someone who paid him to do these? Or? No, he he did not per se. He basically looked for donations to, for, for grants, or right, grant or some kind of right donations and grants. Now, could the stations sell local avails on these? Could they sell? No. No, I don't think I, I wasn't in that part of it really particularly, but I don't think yeah. so. So he didn't say he'd be back after these messages, no. and then and no. he just did this little show, and then right. he, people would run it maybe in the morning at six fifteen. Who knows? Yeah, and yeah, different times. And so you duplicated. Right, I, I did some editing toward the end, and then I but I did a lot of the duplication. And he was, I'm asking you this because there's so many blind people who are interested in radio and, and tapes and recording. How did you, did you have a mass tape duplicator? Did you do them one at a time? Right. Or? No, he had actually, um, initially he had some a set of duplicators that um, he had, I think, 10 individual units. Reel-to-reels. Reel-to-reel. And when those wore out, we actually then had one that would do three at a time. But it ran at 30 inches a second instead of 15. So, so it, it dubbed them in half time. Right, dubbed them in half the time. So you'd thread up the tapes and right. and punch go with the master. So so you learned uh, you learned how to do that. Were you interested in radio and things like that, or was this just something you? No, I uh, 
I got my first tape recorder when I was ten, I think, and and had fun with tape recorders ever since. Yeah. And that was that was actually my first experience in taking something apart. It was an old Sears tape recorder, Silvertone. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure that was actually the brand. It, um, but seven inch reels, and it was interesting because the take up reel was on the left instead of on the right. Oh my! And it was just you know it was I think a relatively inexpensive. It was. Uh, recorder but it, uh, it had a little i don't know four inch speaker and it had a microphone jack uh excuse me it didn't even have i don't think a line input it didn't have a headphone jack you just plugged the microphone into yeah. it and, and there you were there you were that's what you got um, but it had cloth belts and the belt kept coming off and so i got really good at taking the thing apart and popping the belt back on and putting it back together but it, took, it it ran backwards. It took up on the left. Correct. The supply reel was on the right. Yes. Well, that's one on me. I've never I've had a lot of tape recorders, but I've never seen. Uh, yeah, and it was three and three quarters and seven yeah. and a half. Yeah. Uh, and it was one of these things where it had a a big control in the center that I think if you turned it to the right, I got you. Play and to the left was. Stop, and then if you want to record, you pushed it down and turned it to the right. Ah, And it had separate levers for rewind and, and record. Okay. Or, or for rewind and fast forward. And you started playing that with that when you were 10 years uh-huh. old? Uh-huh. Yeah. That got me interested in tape recorders and radio and all <laughs> kinds of things. So it's, it's kind of, that interest has kind yeah. of grown from there. Did, did you end up going to college and getting a degree? Um, went to Ohio State for a couple of years, did not get a degree. Uh, my major was radio and television, and I, quite frankly, just found it too frustrating in several ways. Um, one, the lack of accessible materials, and um, two, the the support just wasn't there. Uh, the teachers were basically sure I wouldn't be able to do anything, mm-hmm. and so they're just weren't many chances to actually do much so it, it got quite frustrating so but did you did you were you able to find any radio work have you done some some radio not any commercial work and quite frankly that's actually fine with with me at least as far as on-air stuff i'm not interested in being in that kind of rat race uh, well you're a lucky man <laughs> <laughs> but i i actually continued to do some stuff for my grandfather's tape yeah. network and then was actually co-founder of the um, radio reading service here in town uh-huh. and worked there for quite a number of years. Uh, first as um, basically assistant in the control room and then as the, the director of the, the control room. Well, I think that's going to lead us right into what you're doing today. But before we get into that, let's take our second little break and be back with more of our Blind Like Me show in just a minute. Blind Sights. Here's a website our crack research team certifies screen reader friendly. Now with this week's Blind Sight, here's Don Shaw. Hi there. You ever think about going back to school and getting your degree? Well, if so, one school to consider may be the Hadley School. It has a lot of different courses and degrees to offer. Everything from academic degrees to computer type work, degrees in the computer sciences, and probably about everything in between. 
And the really neat thing about it is you can take these courses online. Go and check out the Hadley School. That's www.hadley-school.org. They're sure worth taking a look at. It's a great, a great school and a great site. Really screen reader friendly. I would uh, sure have to give it a 10. Until next time, I'm Don Shaw. Keep on blind sighting. If you found a screen reader friendly website you'd like us to mention, send your email to blindlikeme, all one word, at txucom.net. And join us again next time for Blind Sights. with Erwin Hot from Columbus, Ohio today, and uh, we want to talk about your, uh, I, I did not know about the magazine, so just tell me, uh, give me the whole thing. Well, Newsreel is sort of a unique magazine, and I mentioned, I think, Stanley Doran earlier in regard to Pilot Dogs. Yeah. And Stanley sort of started three things in his, in his life, and Pilot Dogs was one, uh, Newsreel was the other. And those kind of go hand in hand because Newsreel started out as a way for pilot dog graduates to keep in touch. It was in, I think, 1958 that it actually started. And it started sort of as a a round-robin tape where his wife Fontenay might read some things that Stanley thought people would be interested in. And then maybe on a returning tape somebody would comment about what she'd read or expand on it or talk about something else. And... Stanley sort of started copying those things onto another tape and circulating mm-hmm. those back to the same people. Mm-hmm. So it, it start, sort of started out, I think, first on three-inch open reels and then went to five-inch. And then I think in the mid-'70s, although I'm not sure of the exact date, went to half-track cassette and then to four-track cassette. And over the years it's grown, it got away slowly from just being for pilot dog graduates and mostly being about dog stuff and and now it's a fairly wide ranging magazine it's three hours a month on uh, four track cassettes we use 90 minute cassettes and yeah. uh, what is unique although some other magazines such as, as playback do something similar it is almost exclusively in the voices of the subscribers so the the people who subscribe are the ones who send in articles. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I just finished the February issue. We mailed that out today. And at this point, I only know of two articles that will be on the March issue. And most of the rest of the articles will be what people send in. Some of those will be maybe responses to comments on the February issue or questions people ask or Maybe somebody will bring up something totally unrelated. Um, a good example I can think of right offhand was last year, sometime somebody asked about how does a totally blind person light a candle. And in the next month, that brought in, I think, three or four different responses. Anything from using book matches to using a kitchen match to uh, using a... Uh, a um, a uh, charcoal grill starter 
type. That thing. would be the extreme, but it would it would work. Yeah, it would work. Um, sure, it would. Now there was one response that I chose not to put on because I didn't think it was a particularly safe way to light a candle, and that was the one guy. And you know, if it works for him, fine. He he would turn the burner on the stove on and use that to light the candle. Mm. Didn't really think that was something that I wanted to put on. No, and now this magazine discusses varied topics. It's not a it's not a one topic. Whereas playback is strictly uh, audio gear that you right. Newsreel was very wide ranging. In for the most part, it is blindness related. Mm. That doesn't mean we won't talk about other things, but. As an example, after 9-11, we didn't have much on Newsreel about 9-11. First of all, there was so much already. Yeah. And I had a couple people send in articles, but they weren't specifically blindness-related. If we'd had something that was disability-related about 9-11, then I probably would have put it on. Okay. Uh, We... Stay away from some topics, uh, but not necessarily. Well, po- politics and religion. You, right, you... politics and religion, generally not. Uh, now, if somebody wants to talk about accessibility of material Voting on a, or, a website yeah. or or campaign, li- sorry, campaign literature in Braille or large print or something like that, that would be fine. Or if somebody wants to talk about problems in taking their, their guide dog to church or getting transportation to church or something, that would be okay. Sure. Um, so as long as it's at least somewhat disability-related, uh, chances are that it will get on. But we are a, a 501c3 not-for-profit organization, so there are some some restrictions on, on what we can and can't do. So you these... Uh, thing and and uh, uh, a large range of topics. Now, most of the people who receive this magazine are blind. Right. Uh, I, as far as I know, actually, everybody is. Because it is a blindness-oriented, a blind. How would you say blind? Anyway, it's for blind people. Right, and it is only on cassette. And it is only on those four-track cassettes right. that sighted people don't have a machine that'll read, and we ain't lending them one by God. Yeah. <laughs> ain't barring mine. But here's it. Well, that's you know, I, I, I've been I've done thirty of these, and it just amazes me the things I've I, that I didn't know about. Yeah. So I didn't know about this magazine. That that's one of our problems. Lots of people don't. Now I'm not going to say that we want to sit here and and grow to four or five thousand subscribers in the next few months uh but uh we'd certainly like to grow uh and one of the ways to do that is certainly a program like this or well advertise you know but somewhere uh yeah the a lot of what happens with new subscribers to newsreel is word of mouth yeah but one of the big problems we have quite frankly is that so many magazines are available for free that it is difficult, especially when you have such a high unemployment rate amongst blind people, it's difficult a lot of times for people to come up with, with say, 20 or $30 a year. Or well, what, do you, what, is, what does this magazine sell for per year? What we 
do is for first-time subscriber, it's $20 for the first year. Uh-huh. That's on a read and return basis. A read and return right. basis. Okay. Um, and one of the reasons we do that is because we encourage people to send articles in. And we want to make it as easy as possible to send an article in. So we typically use the library-style mailers. So you send me this magazine in a in a mailer, and all I have to do is turn the card over and put it in the mailbox to send it back to you. Correct. Correct. But you want the tape. You're going to reuse the tape. We do reuse the tape. That helps us keep the cost down. Yeah. Um, unlike, say, Library of Congress magazines where the links are different and you'd have to redo the labels, uh, that would make it incredibly time-consuming and more expensive to reuse tape. Oh, it would be horrible. It's not worth it. Uh, the way we do it is we simply erase the tape and, and reduplicate it with another issue, but we have a, a generic label that, that says Newsreel Bag and our phone number, and yeah. it doesn't have the issue date on it. So we don't have to go through and, and change labels. Now, you say $20 a year, $20 for the first year. Right. What happens after that? $30 is the normal read and return, and then if people want to keep issues, and, and some people do, that's $50 a year. So $20 for introductory, right? and then $30 a year for normal if you don't want to keep it, and $50 a year if you do want to keep it. Now, what, what, what uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of lost on that pricing. Uh, you you figure this is, an, they spend 20 bucks. If they don't like it, they don't buy it again. Right. Yeah. That, that's your thinking, sort of introductory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to get people started and, and hoping that they'll continue after yeah. the first year. And, and you, uh, you would send... Like if I had your magazine and I had something I wanted to wanted you to consider for using in your magazine, I could put it on the tape that I got uh, the magazine on, or put it Correct. on. Correct. Just put it on that tape. Uh huh. Yep. We want to make it as huh. easy as possible for for people to send in articles. Yeah. So you don't necessarily need a fancy recorder. Lots of people just record on a. a four-track machine or even a half-track machine. Or, or even an APH machine. That sure. it's, uh, I've got one that records that I bought yeah. from from the printing house. Um, sure. And, and you take articles on almost any topic, cooking, working on cars, buying refrigerators, just anything. Sure. Yep, just about anything. Well, um, okay. I'm, you hooked me. <laughs> I'll have to. I think she, your lady that I talked to the other day is going to send me a sample copy. Okay, great. Which is something you do. Which yes, is something absolutely. you will do for people is send them sure. a sample. Well, this this um, it really this is good. How long have you been doing this? Well, I got started with that in '86, um, kind of part time, and it, it still is somewhat part time. And mm-hmm. that was when Stanley was editor of, of Newsreel, um, and I, I sort of helped out, and then. Took over much of the editing in the early 1990s and progressively have done more and more. And Stanley retired in 97 and passed away in, in December of 99. So at that time, I actually became editor. And now, this is the person that founded the, the guide dog thing in right, Columbus? Right, founded Pilot Dogs and co-founded... What is, what is his name? Stanley Doran. Stanley Doran. I D-O-R-A-N. I don't know that we had... Mentioned it, but he did those three things. He got, right. I got, I got, uh, what do you call Pilot Dogs and News Reel, and then co founded with, with me and Fred Allemeyer the radio reading service. The radio reading service. So, uh, was he blind? Was he? He, he had some sight. He was yeah. probably considered a high partial. Yeah. Uh, 
as he got older, he probably um, thought he had more sight than he did, but uh, <laughs> probably should have used a cane yeah. or a dog <laughs> yeah. to be safe. But, yeah. uh, um, you know, I could see how it could you could do that because Stanley was a very independent person. So. Yeah. Uh, and so each month you you put these articles together. You have a, a cassette set, uh, set up with several cassette machines where you put these things together. Do you change links of articles, or if you take oh, yeah. it, you take you I, edit? I do a substantial amount of editing. I uh-huh. uh, essentially use SoundForge. I record uh, up until last year. I was using an open reel machine, but um, last year we set up a production computer. And you were you were at that time you were cutting and splicing. Time? I actually did all my editing electronically. Okay, that's what I've always done. Yeah, I had a. I was telling a guy this morning. I had a, I took. I got rid of my splice block about six months ago, but I didn't use it much. I did a lot of it electronically. Yeah. If you know where to hit that to hold the play down and hit that record button, you can do a yep. lot of good electronics. Oh, you can. Um, uh, I've done. You know, worked for lots of radio stations and done it. So yeah. you edited these on reel to reel, but now you're a SoundForge guy. Right. Oh yeah, and I love it. Yeah. Um, but I do lots of editing. I may move some sentences around to make things make more sense or cut out lots of pauses and ands and uhs. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So you really edit? I really do. Can you, can you, you can't get these in text form, will you? Can you edit? How do you edit in sound for? Just like you would in a Word document? Basically, you, you can mark a block of audio, for example, with left bracket and right back bracket and hit delete. And, and it's, it's gone. gone. Yeah. Or you can cut it or copy it to clipboard and paste it someplace else. Just like editing in a Word document. Essentially, it is. You can also, if if you have just a short little piece to take out, you can use shift left arrow and right arrow to move back and forth, and then hit delete and delete. And when you when you get to the word, if you if there's a pause, that's how you take that out. You'd back up to the word and and uh, and then go forward to the word and hit delete, and it's gone. Right. Right, so I, I wow. do oh hundreds and hundreds of edits per issue. And uh, this computer made things a lot easier for you, sir, didn't it? Yes and no. The I was quite frankly pretty good at editing, especially at 15 IPS on Open Reel. What the computer has allowed me to do is actually do more editing. So yeah. take out more pauses. Yeah. If someone stutters, I may be able to combine the first part of the first word with the the last part of the the second oh, word. So you've gotten you've gotten good at this. I have, uh, and of course, most of that comes with just yeah. repetition. <laughs> All right, but, but I think is there something in we used to have a, a guy at a radio station that had a deal that you could if, you, if the spot was thirty two seconds long and you wanted it to be thirty, he could run it through his computer and it would take all the pauses out and you'd end up with a shorter piece of copy. SoundForge can do that. It's something I have not actually used for this purpose. Yeah. But, yes, if you had, say, a 92-minute tape that you needed to get down to 89 minutes, yeah. SoundForge can do that. Can, you can, can do check it those by specific yeah. time or by percentage. All right. We are getting close to our limit of time. Give us your, your – do you have a website? Yes, it's Newsreel, N-E-W-S-R-E-E-L. Spell one word. Right, mag, M-A-G. Newsreel mag, all one word. Right, dot org. Newsreel mag dot org, because you are 501c3. Right. Which we need to talk about. We've just filed for that. Okay. And uh, we'll, I'll, I'll be calling. 
<laughs> well, it's not an area I know a whole lot about yeah, because I'm, we've been 501c3 longer a, than I've been I'm married, involved with it. I'm married to a lawyer. We'll oh, lawyer right okay. <laughs> anyway, that's it, uh, newsreelmag.org. Right. And that will give you the subscription information, or you. What about? I guess anybody. If you didn't have a computer, you couldn't hear this show. Well, yeah, right. you could. I could also give you our toll-free number. You better do that because we're on several radio reading services, yeah. and those yeah. folks may not have computers. Right. It's eight 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 seven two three eight seven three seven. Eight 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 seven two three. Help me. Eight seven three seven. Eight seven. Three seven, and that's right. a toll-free number, and you can call and and give them your address, and they'll be glad to send you. You folks will be glad to send out right. a we'll sample out copy a sample. of Newsreel. I'll be I'm going to my mailbox in just a minute, uh, and this is twenty dollars a year, first year, thirty dollars after that, fifty bucks if you want to keep it, and you return the tape. Right. And we want everybody to return the tape you sent them. Don't be sending them the Newsweek now. That does happen occasionally. I'll bet it does. <laughs> Not I, often. I've met blind people, too. I've, I know a few of them. Well, it uh, sounds like your life is going well, sir. You seem, it is. You seem to be doing I, I thoroughly enjoy Newsreel and uh, enjoy I do a lot with the computer here at home and have a lot of fun with that. So, uh, uh, it's uh, Newsreel is a lot of fun, and I, I do some occasional Braille production as well. So between those things, it uh, keeps me out of trouble. Well, have you got a wife and a house full of kids? Or No, no, I'm single. You're single. And from that declarative statement, you intend to stay that way? Well, not necessarily, but haven't found the right person yet. Haven't found the right person yet. Well, you, you seem to have it together. You've handled your blindness uh, quite well, and that's what we look for is people who are, are dealing with this inconvenience we live with every day called uh, lack of sight. Uh, and uh, we, we also invite our, my new phrase is sight-dependent friends, our sight-dependent friends. Uh, I don't know who said that. I'm sure I didn't think of it. I've never had original idea in my life. But uh, anyway, our sight-dependent friends are welcome to listen. And Erwin, sir, you've been a, a very nice guest, and maybe we'll sell some magazine subscriptions. Okay, well, thanks for inviting me. All right, sir. I'll call you before this runs. Okay. Thanks much, Erwin. You're welcome. We always need guests. We need guests for both shows, The Blind Handyman and Blind Like Me. It would be blindlikeme at txucom.net, or you can just my email address, philpar at txucom.net. Thank you much. We'll see you next week for The Blind Like Me Show.